Welcome to Pendleton Center Church. We are the Chancel Choir. If you're new to our church, please pick up a welcome folder that's at the connection site or the welcome and information desk. We'd like to know you are here, so everyone, please put your name on the friendship card you'll find in the bulletin. If you would like to receive the church newsletter or need an update of any information, please be sure to fill out the address, email, and phone number. On the back, you can write prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff. Please enjoy our service and have a blessed day. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice. And be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day. feels a little out of balance. You've got to call your friends and say, hey, time to come to church because this side's here, but this side's got to miss it. Let's pray, shall we? Dear God in heaven, we thank you for the blessings you pour into our lives, and we ask that right now you just pour your Holy Spirit into all of us. Touch us, bless us, help us to feel and experience the presence of God, to know your will, and to feel your touch. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you're able to stand, as we're going to sing together, I love to tell the story. Can do. 
be with you. Please be seated. This morning we're celebrating that we went on a mission trip and had a wonderful experience. So if you see a bunch of people in these shirts that look like this, that's the crew that went on the mission trip, or at least some of them. So thank them and just show them some appreciation for all that they did. Later you'll be seeing some pictures and hearing some stories about it. It is a beautiful day to worship God. Amen. I have got, I'm, I'm so thankful for not only what, what you're going to be seeing and finding out about the mission trip, but also about all I am hearing is how fabulous BBS week was this past week. So thank you, Lord, for all of the helpers. Thank you, Lord, for all of the people who directed, who sang, who, who made crafts, who cleaned up, who made snacks. It was an amazing, amazing week, and we're blessed to have um, had this church be, be part of that. Um, what, thankful, what things do you have that you are thankful for this morning? Oh, there must be something. Let's see. It's gorgeous out. God is here. We're here with him. Any, thankful, any things you're thankful for today? Yes. Amen. Patty, so, so Patty has had, um, has had some healing um, after some medical treatment that wasn't terrific, but, but all is going well now. 
How wonderful. She thinks she's going to be well enough to go to New York to see the, the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Square. What a wonderful. Mary. My grandson's going to be nine years old. A birthday for a grandson. That's a blessing. Thank you for sharing that. Any others to share this morning? Well, God, yes. Ooh. Ah, daughter and granddaughter were traveling to get here and countered an elk, which was not a good experience, but everyone was fine and they got here safely. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for, for protection. Pastor Tom. which was wonderful. That's what the flowers are. But I wanted to explain this one up here, just because this was a story I heard. I want to share with you. What they were talking about is she left three little children, 10, 8, and 6. And during the week last week, they were swimming in a neighbor's pool, and these yellow birds came and showed up and started flying in a circle around them, not scattered around, just flying right over them in a circle. Now, you'd say that's quite an amazing thing, but two days later, they were in a different neighbor's pool, two blocks over, and don't the same birds show up to circle around them. So God does send these wonderful messages to us, and I just want to share that with you, because sometimes we think, is God paying any attention? Absolutely. He watches over the little children for, for whatever their needs are. I just want to share Amen. that. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that, Pastor Tom. Yes, God does. I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard stories like that where, where people who have just lost someone that they dearly loved had some kind of a sign come from God that was meaningful to them, that, that, that they knew that it must be God saying, everything will be okay. We have a God who pours out blessings, all kinds of blessings into our lives. When we return our gifts, tithes, and offerings to God, it's just, it, it's a symbol, it's a token of our devotion to God, our remembering how much God has, has given to us so we return some back to him. And while we're bringing our gifts, tithes, and offerings, check out the slideshow about the youth mission trip.
Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for this day. For the opportunity to gather together and worship you in spirit and in truth. And to remember all of the blessings that you have poured out into our lives. We gather them up, Lord God. All of the gifts that you've given, we offer them before you. Bless them, Lord God. Give us wisdom to know how to best use them for your work here in this world. Help us to draw many to salvation in Jesus Christ through the gifts that we offer to you this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. With these concerns and those that are on your hearts, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. You're welcome to join me from your seat or at the rail. God of all creation, we know that you are always ready to hear us even when we don't realize that we should be asking. We come before you now with the concerns that have been voiced, with those concerns that are on our hearts that were not spoken aloud. You know that they are many, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name now for healing for those who are in need of a touch from you, that they would be made whole from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet, healed from broken bones, Lord God, sprains and strains, from surgeries, Lord God, from cancers of all kinds. We speak to cancer in the bodies of our loved ones and those that you will allow this prayer to reach. We curse it to its root and say, come out in Jesus' name. You have no place in the people of God. Loose them now. We pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, for all of those who have surgeries coming up, who have treatments that are ongoing, we ask that you would touch them as well. Be with their doctors, their nurses, their caregivers. Let everything be done decently and in order and according to your spirit's leading. Override wherever you need to. Anything that people might be doing out of human understanding in caring for folks. Be with them and let them know that you are the great physician, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Thank you, Lord, that you have made it possible for us to travel back and forth to all kinds of places and, and do all kinds of things that will further our growth, that will give us enjoyment and pleasure in your world that will help us to touch the lives of others who are far from here. We ask, Lord God, for traveling mercies. We pray for those who are away on mission, especially right now for Chris, who is in Haiti, Lord God. We just ask in Jesus' name for them to be a blessing and to be blessed. We pray, Lord God, now for those who are grieving losses of all kinds. 
We pray that you will send them signs that draw them close to you by your spirit that let them know that you are near to them, that you will envelop them with your arms of love, that your spirit of peace and comfort be upon them in Jesus' name. Pray for those also, Lord God, who have been affected by all kinds of disasters, whether they be natural disasters that people and places and the land are recovering from or disasters that have been caused directly by human hands. We pray in Jesus' name that justice be done wherever it is necessary. We pray that help be sent and that you would give each of us this morning wisdom to know how we should be part of helping those who are in need. We pray, Lord God, now that you would impart to us a special measure of understanding of who you are and how you are transforming us more and more into Christ-likeness. Give us the ability, Lord God, to speak your word with confidence, to be your hands and feet and voice in this world, to draw others by your spirit to Jesus Christ. Bless us as we worship, Lord God, and make our worship to be a blessing to you through the songs, through the prayers, through the reading of your word. Be with Pastor Sherry this morning as she brings the message you have put on her heart. Let us be blessed, Lord God, that we may be a blessing in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Good morning. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, these are really great t-shirts. And there's all kinds of ministries at this church. And all of you who are doing work for God and, and pleasing God and making him happy, this represents you too, because it's not just us. Oops, sorry. It's not just us. There's just so many people here that do such wonderful things, and God loves us all for that. So I just wanted to say that when you look at us, it's just a part of all that we do. So this morning I'm going to be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 10, 8 through 15. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? 
And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. These are great shirts. <laughs> it was a wonderful mission trip. So this morning, we're going to be talking about this passage that uh, is from the book of Romans. And when Paul was writing this letter, it was a letter sent to the churches. Now, the churches in Rome were lots of little house churches. And this letter was sent out, and it wasn't a letter sent out to the leader of the church, the pastor of the church, the head honcho of the church, the one in charge. Instead, this was a letter talking to all the believers in the church. So it's a message for all of us. And the passage ends, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So it's a call to all believers to bring the good news of God's salvation to others because it's God's desire that none should perish, but everyone, everyone to come to repentance, for everyone to be in right relationship with him, for everyone to gain eternal salvation. And so Paul will often use Old Testament stories to try and illustrate this. And so we decided for this series that we would do the same thing. And so we have the scriptures, searching through the scriptures to figure out which Old Testament story would illustrate this. There's a story that contains a vine. It's a vine that grew up and provided shade, but it's dead now. I got a dead vine. Anybody, on, anybody know what that's from? What story is that from? Yes, Jonah. Jonah, thank you. So Jonah is a prophet. Jonah could be told is the greatest evangelist ever. Jonah heard from God, and he was told that he, wa- he was supposed to go to Nineveh and give God's message. Now, Nineveh, Nineveh was a huge city, but it was Gentiles, it was pagans, it was packed full of evil, and it was violent, and Jonah hated them. And so, Jonah gets this message from God and says, you know what, I know you, wanna, you want me to go there, but I'm not doing that. I don't want to talk to them. And so, he actually makes the defiant decision to disobey, and decides to go in the complete opposite direction. Nineveh is this way, and he says, you know what? I'm going to Tarshish. That's that way. And so we have to wonder what was going on in Jonah's heart that he would choose to disobey God and go in the opposite direction, avoiding sharing God's message with the Ninevites. Well, what prevents us from sharing God's message with others? What are the things that are holding us back from that? I mean, one of the things is they say we're not supposed to talk about sex, politics, and religion. Okay, well, sex, yeah, that's awkward and inappropriate. Yeah, don't do that. And, and 
Religion in today's climate, probably a good idea to avoid that. Yeah, and religion, honestly, yeah, don't talk about religion. Because religion is often the form, the function, the structure, and it's often a head thing, and you end up in debates about heady things. Instead of talking about religion, talk about relationship. Because it's relationships that changes things. It's relationship with God, relationship that changed your life. That's what we talk about. And it's one of the things we talk about when we're prepping for the mission trip. It's one of the key things we talk about. We're going on a mission trip. What does that mean? That means that we are going there to bring good news. That means we are going there to share God's love. That means that we are going there to be people of Christ in the midst of whatever situation we're placed in. Now, that means that God's love is primary. And when people ask you why you're doing this, which inevitably happens, these kids are working their tails off. They really, they work hard, hard, hard. When they're asked, why are you doing this? Have an answer. What is your answer? What is the reason you're doing this? Dig down deep. What has God done in you that calls you to do this thing? You've got to have an answer beyond because it's fun. Because I'll learn some construction skills. Because it'll look great on my resume. Because I wanted a week away from my parents. Whatever it may be. What is the reason? We don't do this for any of those reasons. Now, all of those things are true. You will have fun. You'll be away from your parents. You will, you will learn construction skills. It'll look great on a resume. But that's not why we do it. If we're coming in for that reason, we're going in with the wrong heart, just like Jonah didn't have the right heart. We come bringing God's message. So when Jonah was running away from the task of sharing God's message with the Ninevites, he comes to a boat. He's going to board this boat and he actually tells the sailors that he's running away from God. Now, what kind of impression would that make on someone? I, I mean, I kept thinking, well, I, I have no idea what they could have possibly thought of this man who sa- is saying this. And on the boat, they're sailing along, and Jonah goes down, and he goes to sleep because he just doesn't care. He's checking out. And God sends this huge storm huge storm, and it's getting really, really violent, really, really bad, and the sailors are freaking out, and so they're like, something's going on, this is not normal, this is not right, and so they go and they wake up Jonah, and they said, get up and call on your God, maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish, and then as it continued on, the storm is getting greater and greater, and they cast lots, they all came to the conclusion, Jonah's the one that is responsible for this. And so they asked him, what did you do? What should we do? This is crazy. We're all going to die. And Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So what he said was basically, I worship like God, the creator, like the big God, the only God, the huge God. And they're like, what did you do? And now they're freaking out even more because this is big, 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 and the storm is getting big, 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 and they're getting more and more panicky, more and more in distress. And finally, Jonah said, pick me up, throw me into the sea. When that happens, God will make it stop. I didn't want to do that. They're like, 
I, we're going to kill you. You're going to die. We don't want to do that. And so they actually, actually called out to the Lord. These sailors called out to the Lord. And they said, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing this man, an innocent man. Lord, you have done as you pleased. And they then threw Jonah overboard to what they presumed would be his death. And as soon as Jonah fell into the sea, the storm stopped. And the sailors saw God. Wow. And they responded. They responded to the greatness of God. And it said that they were greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to God and they made vows to him. So God moved even in Jonah's disobedience, even in Jonah's weaknesses, because God is so good. And the story says that now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I was like, I'm sure Jonah was not thinking that God should provide something like a huge fish. You know, how about another boat, something like that, you know, maybe a little plot of dry land. God provided, no, God provided what he thought Jonah needed. Jonah needed a little lesson. And so God provided a huge fish that went up and swallowed him whole. And now Jonah is stuck in the belly of the whale. Imagine being stuck, claustrophobic, smelly, disgusting, dark. We get that sometimes in our lives, don't we? We get to a place where we too are in the belly of the whale, whether from circumstances outside of us or circumstances that we've created, we end up in the belly of a whale. And it's in those times of distress that we cry out, we call out to God. We call out to God, and Jonah did just that. In his distress, he called out to, to God. And part of what he said in his prayer there, it says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And as soon as he acknowledged that salvation comes from the Lord, this fish, it says, he vomited him on the shore. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, not only have the belly of the whale, but now he's covered in fish vomit. Blah, gross. But you know, when, when you get out of the belly of the whale, you may be rescued by God, but there's going to be a mess that you've made that you're going to have to clean up. And you're in distress, and you've made a choice, and you're going to live into what God is now calling you to do. So in Jonah's distress, he called out to the Lord, and he witnessed the love of God. He witnessed his power, his mercy, and his grace. On the mission trip, we too experienced God's power, mercy, and grace. We had, we had other work as well on another site, but we had primarily two different sites. Um, the first one was Sandy and Larry, and you heard a little bit about that last week. And um, Larry had had several strokes and in January, he had lost his eyesight. Um, he had become blind due to diabetes. Um, he's very, very sick. And they literally have no money. They had a car that was sitting out in their yard, and they had to sell it so that they could pay their utilities. 
their grass started growing. It, I was told it got up to like the yay high when the neighbor finally said, something's not right here. We've got to go check on him. And he went and found them. And he was moved to start working to help them in some ways and start working on groups to come. So we come as part of that. We come to start working there. And Sandy, at one point, I'm in the house working on the on the windows and such, and she comes over and she's got tears in her eyes, and she says to me, I couldn't do it. All of this, my husband, this house, I, I couldn't do it. I had no idea what to do. I knew I couldn't do it, and I cried out to God, and I said, Lord, help me, please. I can't do this alone. Send me someone. And then she looked right at me, and she pointed her finger and says, and God sent me you. God sent me, God sent everyone on that team, God sent us all, and she kept going around telling other people the same thing, God sent me you, God sent me you, God did, God did send us there, and she had tears of joy, we were sent with a divine appointment, and then we had a second divine appointment. The other house was Michelle's house. And Michelle, her husband, had passed away about a year and a half beforehand of cancer. And she also had MS. And her husband kept trying to, when he was alive, he kept trying to fix the house. But he would get, like, would you say 50%? Yeah, yeah, 50 And nothing was finished. But in the process of all that, too, she also gave up hope. And so the very, very basic things that needed to be done to keep a household up, I mean, think very basic things that you needed to do to keep a household going, she couldn't bring herself to do. And the house was in trouble. The house was a mess in not only construction, but in... it was. Needed a lot of tending to. And our kids ministered her in a, to a way where they could help her without her feeling any shame. Help her with love and a, head, a, a hand up. And when we do these mission trips, we actually in, we have lunchtime. We do devotions and prayer, and we invite the people we're serving to come and join us. And I was told that... They invited Michelle to join, and she did join. But the very first day, she was kind of like just very quietly, carefully sharing a little bit about her um, experience with religion. But that was about it. Very careful. And as the week went on, as these kids, they worked so hard, as they loved on her like crazy, by the end of the week... Michelle led the prayer, transforming lives with the love of Christ. See, we believed in our hearts, carrying the faith of Jesus Christ, and we declared with our mouth and with our deeds, with our whole being, that Jesus is Lord. So what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? That's the process of sanctification. It continues the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and throughout the whole rest of your life, God is God and we are not. And we humbly submit to God's authority. 
following, serving. We submit to the will of God and we grow in our likeness of God. We grow in God's character. God's character. Now, Jonah knew God's character and was content with experiencing that for himself. But he didn't have the heart God had for others. So when Jonah finally decided to obey God and he went to the city of Nineveh, he gave the message with reluctant obedience. And honestly, he was secretly excited for God to destroy the city. He was excited for that. So we really wonder about his heart. And he went out and he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And he said that to everyone, waiting. Oh, he's going to get squished. But the word overthrown, God is playing a little game with him. The word overthrown can mean physical destruction. It's used for Sodom and Gomorrah. But it is also often used to mean to turn around or transform. And so basically what he was saying is 40 more days in Nineveh will either turn or be overturned. So in Romans, Paul is quoting Deuteronomy, and he says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. And he's actually quoting Deuteronomy. And it goes on to say, so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, and then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you. I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose life. And in spite of Jonah's reluctance, in spite of Jonah's heart, the Holy Spirit gave that same message to the people of Nineveh because the king himself was convicted. And the king himself said, everyone, everyone, call out. Call out urgently to God. Give up our evil ways. Give up the violence. And they all put on sackcloths. And they all fell in the dust in humility. And they all called a fast. A fast from food. A fast from water. From even their animals. They said, this is serious. And they fell in humility. Submitting themselves to God. They repented. They believed. They called upon the Lord. And in Jonah 3.10 it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways... He relented. He had compassion. He actually repented. He turned and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So thousands of lives were changed. And for Jonah, as a prophet, that's the greatest transformation ever. God's kingdom come. Isn't that what we pray all the time? God's kingdom come. And on the mission trip, God was moving to God's kingdom coming in powerful ways, in ways we were not expecting. So the one day, we take the kids all out for ice cream. And they're all in line, and, you know, I'm the last one in the line because I'm paying for it, yeah? And as, as the kids are in line, the one woman just looked at me at one point. She goes, are you from Aldersgate? Which was the camp we were staying in. And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, OK. 
okay. That was it. I was like, all right, whatever. Um, and then they come around, you know, ordering all this ice cream. At the very end, I come up, and the cashier said, that'll be $70 and some change. And the woman that had asked about Aldersgate came by, and she says, no, it's 40 What? We both kind of looked at her like, what? And she said, it's 40 And I said, are, are you sure? And she came over, and she said something like, the way these kids are serving... And you've got kids here wearing shirts that say, Jesus loves me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was great. It was like we are making an impact, transformation for the world. And at Sandy's house, there was this neighbor named Paul who had been working with the teams to help the family and such. And he was around a lot while we were working. And... Um, the one day, it's one of the last days, we were all really tired. We were really sweaty and gross. And, um, yeah, there were manure trucks across the street the whole week. It was, yeah, we were sweaty and we were gross. And we all just wanted to shower. And we go to hold hands because we would hold hands and pray at the beginning of every day and at the end of every day. And the people that were ministering to her invited to join us in that. And Paul joined us as well. And Pastor Tom gave this idle threat of no one showers until someone prays. And, <laughs> and, and so we're all sitting there waiting for who's going to say the prayer. And Paul, Paul the neighbor, said, I'll pray. And he did. And he said a blessing over us all. It was amazing. And... Something happened on this trip that has never, ever happened before. Friday night, we always say we're going to work late because we will not leave these projects undone. We were going to work until it's done, no matter what. We've always, always accomplished that. But Friday night came. This was a huge, huge house. And we were trying to put siding on it. And it became real clear that we were not going to finish. And we called it. Said, Guys, we just can't. There's no possible way that we can finish this. And so we go back to the camp, and the kids start asking, can we go back? Now, Saturday's supposed to be our fun day. Saturday's the day that we hang out at the camp. We go swimming. We play volleyball. We do a lot of nothing. We relax and recover from all this, right? And the kids are like, please, we want to go back. We want to go back. So we're talking about it. You know, the adults are saying, uh-uh. okay, well... I guess well, we could take eight, maybe ten, and they'd have to actually volunteer. We don't want to force anyone to do this. And it, it'll take maybe two hours-ish. Okay, two, three hours. All right. So I finally said, okay, with those conditions. And like that, ten, we want to go. And they went, and they worked their tails off. Two hours went. Three hours went. After three hours, I was trying to contact them and say, hey, guys, you're going to have to, you know, wrap it up and such. And I, and I got through to Joshua, actually, and he's like, no, nah, we're working. We're, it's all good. It's all good. It was like, ah. So um, seven hours. Seven hours. And I am just, yeah. I'm thinking these kids are going to be, in such a bad mood. They're going to be so upset. Oh my goodness, seven hours. I can't believe we put them through this. And I'm (laughs) waiting and I'm watching them as they're getting out of the car, coming back after they had accomplished this, all of them grinning from ear to ear, all of them filled with joy, all of them excited that they accomplished this, all of them excited because they had one more chance to give Sandy and Larry a hug, all of them proud 
in what they were able to accomplish through Christ. And as they're all walking out, and I'm like, a, you know, that they're all got, they've all got this wonderful attitude. I receive a phone call from Paul. And Paul says to me, I got to say, I've never encountered anybody like your group. I've never seen it before. I've never encountered it. This is the most blessed thing I've experienced. He said, you were such a blessing, not only to them, but to me. And I just wanted to thank you. Transforming lives because we cared. Transforming lives because we reached out with the love of Christ. And so we share the good news of Christ because it's within us. And through that, we bring transformation to others. And every time a life is transformed by the power and grace of God, it's a reason to celebrate. It's a reason to celebrate. And yet Jonah complains to God with anger that everybody's transformed. What? And then he says to God, yeah, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And then he even says, that's why I went the opposite way. That's why I went to Tarshish. That's why I didn't want to come here, because I knew you'd do something loving. <laughs> what? What kind of guy is this? <laughs> like, seriously. And so... God taught him a lesson. So Jonah actually went out outside of the city, and he sat down waiting. He's like, maybe, maybe now that God's had a talking to, God will change his mind and actually squash the city anyways. And he's waiting and watching. And God provides this big vine to come up and provide shade for his head. And then at nighttime, God also sent a worm, a worm that came and ate up that vine and destroyed it killed the vine. And Jonah gets all upset because he doesn't have the vine to keep him in the shade. I mean, when I read Jonah, I think of a child having a temper tantrum. I mean, it's like, I I just imagine stomping your feet and the drama, and it's like, oh God, I'm so, I mean, he he literally says, I'm just so upset, I want to die. It's like, over a vine? Really? Really? And so God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And then he said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Jonah, do you even care? Do you even care? Jonah had the gift of knowing God, and yet because of his own prejudices, his own concerns, his own wants, and perhaps even his own fears, he was willing to allow thousands of people to stay in their sin and brokenness. So Jonah needed to bring the message from God, and we too need to bring the message from God, the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. So we receive divine righteousness by faith, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, a gift given by God where we no longer receive the just penalty for our sin, but we are restored into right relationship with God. We become God's children. It's a time of repentance. 
It's the time of beginning of a new life in Christ. It is good news. And so how are we bringing this good news to others? Well, our church says Christ is at the center of all we do. We already talked about how Christ is at the center of the mission trip. Christ was also at the center of VBS. We had easily 250 children plus 40 or 50 teenagers plus swarms and swarms of adults helping with this program. But Christ is the center. So will they have fun? Yes. Will they make lots of crafts? Yes. Will they make more friends? Yes. Those are all great things, but that's a byproduct. The whole point is Christ. Christ. Christ in us. And so we think about, to the fish fry. Christ. How is Christ the center of that? It is. Christ is the center of the fish fry, and we cook fish as byproduct. Everything we do, Christ is at the center. But now here's the thing. How does that translate outside of the church into our own lives? So just imagine if you came to your job prepared ahead of time, prayed up ahead of time, knowing that your entire reason for going to your job is because you are carrying the light of Christ. You are bringing the good news to your workplace. And the fact that you'll actually do some work and you'll actually get a paycheck, that's just the byproduct. How does that change things? What happens if that's your attitude as you're encountering all of your neighbors when you're going shopping or when you're at home? You know, the people that get the most abuse are the people we love the most. And what happens if we say, the most primary, the most important thing that I ever do is to be the light of Christ within my family. And so when I go down to make breakfast, when I'm doing the laundry, when I'm handling all the children and I'm paying the bills and I'm doing all the chores, whenever I'm doing all this stuff, what happens if instead we say, that's just the extra stuff, but our primary thing in all of it is I am carrying the light of Christ. I am witnessing to who God is through me. It's a game changer. No more than that, it's a life changer. It's transformation. We bring the good news. And so I actually have a homework assignment for you or a challenge, however way you want to look at it. And the first thing is, if someone were to ask you, why do you go to church? What do you believe in? Can you tell them? What is it that you would say? What, how would you describe the gospel message? Can you say it? And if you can't, let us know, because it's part of the church's job to make sure you know this. But then I also want to ask you to work on your faith story. Just like with the teenagers, people come, and if they see that you are changed somehow, you are set apart because you have Christ within you, that means that God has changed you in some way. That means that you have encountered God in some way. So what is your faith story that you can say to them, this is why? Can you say it? And it, everybody has a story. You know, I was steeped in sin and then God. I was going in this direction and then God. I was raised my whole life in church and I never knew God until. So it was the lead up. It was the, it was the moments, moment or moments, the moments and the continuing moments of how you experience God, how you are being transformed through God. Come up with your faith story so you also have something to tell because that's 
going to transform lives. And for those who are willing and able, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to say it. It's encouraging. It's encouraging to others in the faith. We could make a video of you giving your testimony. You could write it down. We could use it as a blog. We could, through your testimonies, God could move mountains and people's lives could be transformed. It says, when we give our testimony, Paul wrote about it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so to profess your faith is to acknowledge faith in Christ and to have a covenant with Christ. So it's more than just signing on the dotted line. It's actually having a total life commitment. And so through that commitment, we have eternal life, now and into eternity. God has given us such a gift. And as Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So when we acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, we are confessing our faith and our need for Jesus as a Savior. And so I'd like you to pray a prayer of confession along with me. And this was actually the prayer that the children at VBS prayed. Won't you pray with me? God, I love you. I am thankful for Jesus who died on a cross and rose from the dead. For me, you love me. You have given me hope in your power for new life in this life and in eternity forever and ever. Amen. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So why do we have hope? Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And this proves God's love for you and for me. So in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And there are people, they're living in the darkness, and we carry, we carry the light of Christ. Won't you stand and worship our Lord together?
the hero of the story, but the reality is God was the hero of the story. God was the main character. God is the one we emulate. And Jonah knew God, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. And through Christ, we have that too. And so as we prepare for a table of grace, grace that's offered to all of us through God's abounding love, let us greet one another with the peace of the Spirit.
beauty is an interesting thing. They've said it's in the eye of the beholder. The truth is, we came back from that site. We had no idea. We stunk. And we stunk. I'm talking about from here to the first row is how far away they were spreading this stuff while we were eating lunch. We stunk. My wife got in the car and said, what's that stink? The kids wouldn't sit with each other at the table because we stunk. But we didn't know we stank. Do you know 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says that to some people, the fragrance of Christians is of death and reminds them of their judgment. And to others, it's life. And it's the blessing of eternity. I was talking to a farmer once, and he said, you know, that smell is the smell of life. He says, that's what makes all our crops grow. That's what makes, makes all the food you eat happen. Without that stink, there would be no life on this earth. Oh, that's interesting. I still don't like it. <laughs> but how do we smell? How do we smell to the world around us? How do we smell? Today you're invited to the table where we take on Christ. We take on the aroma of Christ, which I believe is a beautiful aroma, which I believe is something that just changes who we are so that everywhere we go and whatever we do, people go, what a wonderful fragrance. And they smell life. For those who choose to reject it, those who say we shouldn't talk about God, we shouldn't have those conversations, maybe it smells different. For those who find life, like the people we touched on this mission trip, like those of us who went on it, like you and your families and your homes, it's the smell of eternal life. So I invite you today to come and take on the smell of God, a beautiful aroma. You're welcome at the table. This is God's table set for you, open to everyone who seeks after Christ to come and receive God and be blessed by him. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to God. He is the one that blesses us in all conditions and all circumstances, who gives us life even when we feel broken, who gives us hope even when everything seems dark. And so with all the people on earth and all the angels in heaven, we praise his name and join their unending hymn, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you. Blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to take on the stink of humanity, He left glory above. He left perfection. He left the best of the best because he loved us enough to reach into our world and bring the possibility of healing and wholeness and forgiveness and grace, even when it caused him pain. On the night in which he was betrayed by those who loved him, he took the bread gave thanks to God. And then he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you for the forgiveness of sin. Eat of this, remembering me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. 
It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of this, remembering me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we come and offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, Lord. Fill us with your, with your grace and your power and your wonder. Pour into our lives, Lord, that we might reflect your grace to the world. Help us to be your hands and your feet. Help us to smell like Jesus. Help us to be the blessing that goes out and brings the good news that changes entire cities, entire kingdoms, entire worlds. Help us to be a blessing, Lord, in the presence of this whole world as we offer our prayers in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, let us join together in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are assisting at the table come forward at this time, please? Jesus himself invites you to come to the table today, to the rail for prayers for healing, to make a commitment to God, to light a candle as your prayer. Come and join us with the Lord.
invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing together, Majesty and He is Lord. trip to come forward. And as they come forward, I want to tell you that as I was preparing this message during VBS, so as I'm working on it, continual VBS songs were going through my brain. And the reason for that was not only because we were singing and dancing VBS songs for over an hour every single day, um, but also the message of all of the songs for these children is always the same because Jesus Christ is the primary thing. And so there was one song that kept going through my brain, and I'm hoping all of you will help me out with this, um, and you all sing along if you know it. It's called, I Am a Sea. And so we're going to start. You ready? I am a C H 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 I am a C H
bring that good mood, that good news of Jesus Christ to others in this world. Go in that good news. Amen.